Welcome to the Get Hungry Podcast, a show where we expand the bounds of what you see possible by exploring new topics each week to level up your thinking and cultivate your God-given potential. How you doing? I'm Josh and welcome to the Get Hungry Podcast. Oh, feels good to be back. Um, I was sick last week and so I wasn't able to record an episode, but I'm back and I'm ready to discuss a topic that's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks now. And it's a topic that kind of really is close to home for me because it's something that I've kind of been struggling with for a while now. And so I'd love to share some ideas, some information that I have found to be very useful and also share some personal experience about this massive topic that is bright shiny object syndrome there's many names for it but that's the name that I'm going with so what is bright shiny object syndrome well this is the tendency to chase for new and exciting ideas trends goals or even career paths rather than staying focused on what you are currently doing or pursuing So before I share all of this with you, I just want to get started with the word of the week. So the word of the week this week is languish or languishing. Now, this is a word that I feel isn't really used that commonly, uh, but it's actually a pretty cool word. So the definition is to lose or lack vitality or to grow weak. So it's like failing to make progress or be successful. So as I said, it's a pretty cool word. So try and find some ways to incorporate that within your conversations this week. Well then, let's just jump straight into discussing what bright shiny object syndrome is, um, how to recognize it, and some methods to overcome this. Now before we do this, I think it's important to firstly identify what it truly is. So I've said the definition before, and that is the tendency to chase for new and exciting ideas, trends, and goals. Um, rather than staying focused on what you're currently doing or pursuing. But I feel like at its core, it is really a couple of things. Firstly, it is an issue of distraction, an issue of procrastination, and even deeper, it's really discontentment and comparison. You know, I find it's so easy to be bombarded with the idea of there being better things that you could be doing, and so you don't truly gain fulfillment in the things that you are doing because you're so focused on what you could be doing instead, if that makes sense. Well, like most things in life, I feel like it's important to firstly identify and acknowledge that something is there and then you can start working on it. So what does bright shiny object syndrome actually look like? Well, firstly, I think it's a it's a lack of execution being all ideas and no action. And I've definitely found that I've been guilty of this before. I always have these really cool ideas that I could be working on, I could be pursuing. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if I did this or if I worked on this? But at the end of the day, I found I actually rarely take action. And it's it's kind of frustrating, to be honest. I'm so attracted to the idea of things, but don't actually take the time and effort to take action and actually executing them. So that's appearance number one. Um, also, lack of commitment to see things through or like dedication to continue going. So I feel like I'm very guilty of dabbling in this and that, but I don't really spend enough time actually building skills. And this then leads to being a person who is all talk with nothing to show. And I don't want to be this type of person. I feel like I've been this type of person for so long. Um, 
And so you really need to shift your mindset to being a person who actually takes action. And you're not just a person who has all the gear, but no idea. And so I would love to share with you a method that I came across that can be used to overcome this. And before I share this method, I just wanna point out that I'm saying this is a method. It doesn't have to be, or nor do I think it is, the only method that can be used. But this is a method that I've heard and it really resonated with me. And I definitely want to take more effort in applying this to my life. So I first came across this idea by Ali Abdal. He's the guy that I've talked about a lot before. He has a podcast, YouTube channel, email newsletter, and things like that. But it's called the pilot, the plane, and the engineer model for productivity. So this model is based upon three main roles that we actually embody and we take. So the first role is the pilot. And this should occupy about 10% of our time. And I think the best time to take on this pilot role is in the morning. So the pilot's responsibility is to set our course, our goals, and our direction. So they're the ones who decide what we are going to do on any given day based on both our internal desires and our external realities. Now, this is really important, and I think it highlights two main things. Firstly, our internal desires. So we need to have a set list of our internal desires and things that we want to do or the types of people that we want to be. But we also need to consider the external realities and a acknowledge that, you know, as humans, there are always going to be things that require our time and effort. And this can be things like work or even things that we couldn't have ever prepared for, which is why I think it's important to do this at the start of each day. But additionally, schedule time into our schedule to do this and take on this pilot role at the start of each week or even at the start of each month. I mean, figure out a time frame that works best for you where you can just ensure that you always are heading in a direction and you're heading towards achieving goals that you actually want to be achieving and that actually serve you. Secondly, there's the plane, and this is the one that takes up the most time. It should take up about 80 to 80% of your time, and their job is literally just to execute the orders of the pilot. Now, Ali goes on to explain that there's three main, I guess, subcategories within this role. Firstly, it's taking off. And a lot of the time, this is actually the hardest thing, actually taking that first step, getting the ball rolling. It requires the most effort and energy. And once that ball is rolling, it's a lot easier to continue on the path that's ahead of you. So taking off. So the second subcategory is not deviating from our course. So not getting distracted. And thirdly, it's landing safely. And this is at the end of the day or after you've achieved a certain goal that you set in front of you. Once you've achieved that, you've then landed safely. And thirdly, it's the engineer. And this is actually the role that should take the least amount of time for a couple of reasons. And we'll go into that in a second, but it should take up about five to 10% of your time. So the engineer's role is to create and maintain systems that keep the pilot organized and the plane fuel efficient. And this is really important. So the engineer's role is to just ensure that the pilot has the right tools for the job and that the plane itself is very fuel efficient and it can get 
the tasks done in the most efficient way possible. So this entails things like maintaining to-do lists, also building skills that directly impact the pilot's ability to operate. So Ali talks a lot about increasing your typing speed if you work uh, a job or you're doing something that requires the computer. This is a skill that directly impacts the pilot's ability to set the course or set the, um, the direction because you can get it done faster and more efficiently. Now, the reason this should take up the least amount of time is because it's very easy to spend too much time on new ideas and fancy tools rather than actually building the fundamental systems that serve you and actually following out and executing the plan. And we talked about executing or the issues with lack of execution earlier on. But it's important to make sure that you take on all three of these roles and you have the right balance of the three. So engineer should take up the least amount of time. It's very important though. Um, and whether you do this once a week, I feel like this is something that probably you shouldn't do every single day, maybe once a week or once a month, have a dedicated engineering time where you can just review your current system to see if it's effective. And I guess start to implement new tools and make sure that your to-do lists are on point and things like that when you're the engineer role. Then there's the pilot to set the course and direction and the plane should be the role that takes up the most of your time and this is actually executing and being a person of action. So I just thought that's a really cool model to kind of think about and when you find yourself being distracted or procrastinating you can intentionally have a look at what role you should be in and remind yourself of the the role itself the role description and you can continue plotting along on the course that you have set for yourself. So it's very very important to have dedicated pilot time at the start of the day um, and set the direction otherwise you are just kind of setting yourself up for failure I guess. Now alongside this method I think it's important to incorporate fun factor. You know I'm a person who I feel like I prioritize fun experiences because I mean at the end of the day boredom is one of the main reasons that we struggle with bright shiny object syndrome because things aren't fun we're not enjoying ourselves so we need to figure out ways of incorporating the fun factor into each of these roles that we discussed about before as well as just into your day in general you know time where you don't have to be so focused on getting things done and you can just have fun and you can boost your morale and ensure that you can continue going because you are enjoying yourself and you're not bombarded by doing productivity uh, you know tasks I think one of my biggest problems is uh, being so novelty focused. You know, if something's new, if something's novel, it's very exciting and you want to continue doing it. But we need to understand that the novelty actually will wear off. And so when we are taking on the engineer role or even just looking at implementing new habits into our daily schedule and into our life, we need to look past the novelty and truly identify if this is something that you should be pursuing and you should be spending time developing and doing, or if it literally is something that you're only doing because it's exciting and new, but in the end of the day, but at the end of the day, it won't actually serve you or it doesn't serve you. Now, I do think it's also important to make sure that you are trying new things. You know, it's so easy to either get stuck in your ways or to become bored of your current ways of doing things because you never actively try new ways of doing things. 
But in actual fact, we are limiting ourselves by not trying new things. So just make sure that you are actively trying to incorporate new ways of doing things or new experiences that really serve you and I guess can help you to pursue passions or cultivate your God-given potential. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, replacing your job, but if you truly are not feeling fulfilled by your job, then maybe this is something to look, look into. It's important to make sure that we are being open-minded to things. When we are being closed-minded, that's when we can, I guess, stunt or prohibit further or future growth. Now, I read a really good article on bright, shiny object syndrome. I think they phrased it differently, but but that's the phrase that I'm using, so that's what I'm gonna go with. And they introduced two ideas. And firstly, it's talent stacking. Now, this is being good at a variety of different skills. And the reason this is something that we should look into is because it really can give us an edge. An idea that's talked about a lot in productivity books and in books on self-development and bettering yourself is applying knowledge from one area to another. Um, And this actually allows you to identify solutions to problems that you otherwise wouldn't have identified as being a problem. You know, a story that comes to mind is one about Steve Jobs. I read that while he was, I guess, inventing the Apple computer, he did a course in calligraphy. And to start with, he just pursued this or did this course because he thought it was something cool. It was a cool idea. Uh, But actually, when he started to develop Apple, he actually started to implement some of the lessons he learned in calligraphy. And in doing so, he really made Apple a product that really stands out in the market because it's very aesthetic and it actually uses certain calligraphy principles that he gained through doing this course. So that's a cool little story and a cool little idea. So I guess another incentive to try fun little things because they may actually equip you with skills that you can apply to better different areas of your life. Now, when it comes to this whole idea of talent stacking, it's important to make sure that our goal is not to become a jack of all trades, master of none. You know, this is a trap that we can really easily get into in trying to build our talent stack. And so I think we just need to be more intentional about spending more time climbing up the ranks from being a beginner to an intermediate, to a veteran, to an expert, and just climbing the ladder of expertise and experience, I guess. Now, when I think of this whole idea of talent stack, the first thing that comes to my mind is Lego. And allow me to explain. So in my head, I kind of see two stacks of different Lego bricks. Now, upon first glance, we can see that stack number one is very tall, like this thing is massive, whereas stack two is probably about half the size, if that, maybe even a little bit smaller. So you would think that stack number one is better because it's taller, but when you go to examine these two stacks further, you can identify the type of bricks that have been used to make these stacks. Now, while stack one is very tall, it's actually made up of smaller bricks. So you know how on Lego bricks, they have like nodules on the top. There's the smallest brick, which have a singular nodule. And then you've got like a two by two, kind of a square shape that has four nodules. Then you've got ones with six. Well, tower number one is made up of the singular nodule bricks. So yes, this tower is tall and there's lots of bricks being stacked, but the quality and structural integrity of each of these bricks is very small. 
Now, when we look at stack number two, while this isn't as big, we look at the bricks that have been used, and this is three by three bricks. So the bricks are very sturdy, and you know that that tower has the ability to get bigger if they want to, but the structural integrity of that tower is far greater than that of tower one. And so hopefully I haven't lost you by now, but... Um, and so we need to make sure that we're not so focused on building the tallest stack, but instead ensure that our focus is placed on truly developing each of these skills. Now, the second idea that this article introduced was the market leader effect. So this is the concept that the top company brand or person in a field, the market leader, if you will, tends to get significantly more rewards than all the other players in that field. Now, when looking into why this is the case, we can identify a couple of things. Firstly, it's the market leader doesn't settle for average. Their goal is to be the best. Now, this is where things can get a little bit touchy because we need to ensure that our motives are in the right place. It's not a bad thing to aim to be the best at something, but I think we need to look into why we want to be the best at that thing. As a Christian, I truly believe that God has given us all specific skills and abilities, uh, passions, and he has a specific purpose for every person. And as a result of this, there's so much diversity in the world. You know, no two people are the same. And so you may be better equipped to excel at a specific area, but we need to make sure that when we do excel at that area, our goal is to let other people benefit from the talent that we have or the blessing that has been instilled upon us. So we need to make sure that aiming to be the best is not a self-centered pursuit, but it's truly founded upon trying to benefit others through cultivating your potential. And this is one of those things that it's very easy to say, but it can be very tricky to actually do and to embody. So this is something that we need to work on. Now, when it comes to identifying something that you want to be the best at, you really need to dedicate time to perfecting this craft. You've probably heard about the 10,000 hour rule. And this is that in order to master something, we need to actually put 10,000 hours into that thing. And this just highlights the fact that when we identify what we want to be the best at, we need to truly commit to being not only a person of action, but a person who stays dedicated to perfecting their craft. Now, I think that we truly are blessed to live in the day and age that we're in at the moment because social media is such a powerful tool that we can have almost instant access to experts in fields that we're looking to pursue. And I know I've talked about this before, but we need to make sure that we're very intentional about evaluating the credibility of the people that we are listening to and gaining knowledge from, because it's so easy to think that someone is an expert in a field uh, and that they're a very credible source, but in actual fact, they are not. Um, and a, a good way to identify this is to look at the people that you're listening to and see if they have any product or if they can back up their claims with action and personal experience. 
That's not to say you can't learn things from people who don't have a multi-million dollar business, highly successful, written 50 books, because we all need to start somewhere. We all start as a beginner and we need to embrace being a beginner. And the best thing we can do when we are starting out in a field is to look at experts or people that are further along the line than you are and really gain information and knowledge from them. Now, finally, the thing that kind of brings all of this together is impact. You know, it should be our goal to leave an impact that not only affects the people in our generation, but that affects generations to come. You know, we should be trying to leave a legacy for other people to build upon. If we are so self-centered, closed-minded in our approach to things, we are only putting a cap on our potential. But when our focus is to leave a legacy that other people can benefit from and to be a person of impact, we are literally removing the roof that we currently have on our perceived impact because it's no longer about us. It's about others. Well, that just about wraps up this week's episode on bright, shiny object syndrome. Um, And I just want to reiterate that this podcast is not a means of me telling or teaching you about areas that I have exceeded at and that I have overcome. It's literally me sharing information that I have gathered and thoughts that I am currently processing and habits that I'm implementing into my life now so that we can all grow and progress together. So hopefully I was able to provide some value to you and at least give you a couple of concepts to sort of mull over this week. I definitely want to thank Ali for being the source of the pilot, plane, and engineer method. And it's something that I'm really trying to implement. And that's going to be my task this week as well, just to refine my method of implementing this into my life so that I can be more productive, more efficient, and work towards achieving my goals. And ultimately, to work on developing the impact that my life can have on other people. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you again next week right here on the Get Hungry Podcast.